lost this year, the last couple of years. Lord, we just want to thank you tonight for your faithfulness. We want to thank you, Lord God, tonight that we don't have to understand everything. You never said we did. You just said we need to trust. But we just trust you tonight. I trust your comfort. I trust your care. I trust most of all your love. I trust your word. I trust your spirit. Lord, I trust you. Now, Lord, you know full well what going on around us and within us. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would touch bodies, that you would touch hearts, that you would touch families tonight for the purpose of your kingdom and for your love tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Sandra and the, and the crew. <laughs> Sandra and the crew, we just want to thank you tonight. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to a couple places, a couple places where I get my stuff lined up here. Let's go to Jeremiah 12, and then we're going to go over to uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Jeremiah 12, 2 Corinthians 12. As you're turning there, let me, let me encourage you, uh, this Sunday is going to be a great day. <laughs> We're having the cardboard testimony, which I'm very excited about, seeing some of the testimonies. But I'm excited because it is such great participation, and you're going to, I just believe God's going to move in a great way. I believe the Lord is going to take these, these testimonies, and He's going to reach out, and it's going to touch somebody. It's going to bring a greater sense of community and unity, and it's going to be powerful. It's already powerful for those that submitted their testimony, but it's going to be powerful for those that receive the testimony. Amen? Amen? But afterwards, we're going to go over next door, and we're going to have a friend day. We're going to have uh, pulled pork sandwiches. So if you will, bring all everything that would pertain to pulled pork sandwiches. We'll provide the pork and the barbecue sauce and the bread, but we need you to bring all the fixings, okay? That includes desserts. If you don't want to bring, you don't know what to bring, bring everything, okay? And we'll, 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 we're going to have a good, good day. Uh, you can stop by the information desk also if you want to sign up for food, kind of let us help us to prepare. And also there will be some other activities. I believe there's a cornhole tournament. We're going to have, we have a, a, ice, a snow cone machine, a cotton candy machine, a, all kinds of machines, and we need your help. So come on and uh, sign up. Also, there's going to be a fundraiser. So what you, if you might have missed out on the youth's uh, gym sale and you still have those items available uh, or you're thinking about redecorating, we'll take all of your stuff. Somebody asked me, what can we bring? I said, bring it all. We don't care. Just bring it. Uh, August the 5th, we're going to have a, a gym sale to raise money for our missions trip. And so if you will, let's wait till after Sunday. Uh, anytime Monday through through uh, next Friday, you can bring your, your items, and, and we, we would appreciate if you come buy them back. Okay, let's look at uh, two places tonight, two places tonight. Father, we just love you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your grace. Holy Spirit, you know, you know how desperately I need you. Lord, you, only you can bring the revelation that is needed in this passage that we are looking at. And Lord, I just ask, Father, that you would just bring the strength that we need for the race that is before us in these last days. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
uh, we're, we're just we're talking about and we're looking for the energy, the stamina that we need to accomplish the task and the will of God. Now, we looked at Jeremiah 12, and I want to look at that again, just verses 5 and 6. So Jeremiah, here he brings a com complaint before the Lord. And in that complaint, uh, he's just talking about the state of the nation, state of the land, state of the covenant people. And the Lord's answer to him was, so Jeremiah, if you're wore out in the foot race with men, what makes you think you're gonna, you can race against the horses? Maybe not the answer you were looking for. <laughs> if you're tired in your natural strength, how are you going to, how are you going to keep up with, this, with the horses? We know that men don't run with horses, at least not very long, and keep pace. But last week we found out it's, not, it's a strength beyond our strength. It's a strength that comes from the Spirit of God. It's a strength that comes from the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We can't fuel this thing entirely on human strength. If we do, we're going to fall woefully short. That God's not intended for us to run this race and keep the pace that is needed without his strength. That's the, that's the point. That's the idea that God wants us to, to have that stamina. And we need to know how to avoid uh, energy drain. Amen? When you're out running a race, you've got to know what's going to drain your energy. You know, you've got to have an ample amount of fluids in your body. You've got to have a good diet. <laughs> you, there, there's just some things that's going to suck you dry if you, don't, if you don't watch out. Well, on the spiritual side, it is true as well. There's things that, that can cause some spiritual drainage in your energy level and in your stamina. And tonight we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and I will tell you there's a lot of ambiguity that surrounds this passage, okay? So I'm a little, I'm a little trepidatious when it comes to looking at this passage of Scripture. And so I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. And, and I'm going to encourage you to do this. It's easy to fall back into that preset of the interpretation that you have. But when you look at the Word of God, look at it with fresh eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, am I seeing this the way I need to see it? I'm not telling you I've got it all figured out because I don't. I, I have wrestled. I, I brought this home to Andrea. We've both been wrestling with this passage of Scripture. I've wrestled with this for several years. But it was just, it just kind of heightened today. I was going a different direction, but the Lord's, I got to looking at it, and I thought, no, I've got, to, I've got to address this tonight. And so <clears throat> I'm just submitting to you a, an opportunity to look at this a little differently than what maybe you have historically. Now look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Familiar passage of Scripture, but let's look at it with new lens. At least I shall be exalted above measure... By the abundance of revelations, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Least I shall be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. 
Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly would I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, and in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we're going to look at this a little deeper, but as we look at this, I want to, many times we, we, we focus in on the passage, which we should. But sometimes we need to, we need to back up a little bit and get a bigger view of what may actually be going on so that we can see the passage for what it is, okay? So we're going to zero in on, on these words right here. And, and remember, keep in mind, we're talking about the things that, that drain us, <laughs> the things that zap us of our energy. But we're, we're going we're gonna to zoom out, zoom out a little bit and look at little broader scope of what Paul is saying here. Now, Corinth was one of the most prosperous cities in Paul's day. We had the privilege and the, and the opportunity a few months ago to go visit the ruins of the city of Corinth and see the model and the scales of that city is just phenomenal. Sits there on the, on the edge of the shore and just up the side of this mountain, there's a big castle that was there with all the ruins. It is, it is a magnificent, even the ruins are, are magnificent to look at. But see, the Corinthians, as most very prosperous cities, prosperous nations, uh, they were extremely proud of their intellect. The Grecian, and so they, they're, they're very proud of their intellect. They boasted of their great wealth, and their, but unfortunately, they were very morally corrupt. So Paul wrote the, the letter in 2 Corinthians and mostly to expose the false leaders that were there and the false messengers. He continued to speak against those that were, that were attacking him. So a lot of times when, when you look at Paul's writings there and what he is addressing is the contradiction of what has come against him. In fact, uh, the, the Grecians, the, the Greek culture, they were very proud even of their, their intellect and their ability, their rhetoric. They were able to just get up and expound. And, and he, he would say, look, I, I, may not be, I may not have the, uh, you'd find in chapter 11 and chapter 12, here we, we've got Paul, he, he's looking at this and he's, he's, he's talking to them and he's correcting some of their illogical thinking, and they put a lot of emphasis upon their ability for oration, for argument, for expressions of, of, of things that they have, their, of their philosophy. And so here is, here's Paul, and there's a lot of false teachers that kind of step in. And he told him, he said, I don't come with, uh, with, with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, I, I don't come with you with eloquence of speech, but what I do have is the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I do know is, and what he also said is, look, I may not be learned like your Greek philosophers because he's a Jew, 
And I'm sure he, he knew how to argue being a Hebrew, especially being a Pharisee, but maybe not on the scale that they were accustomed to. But he said, look, I've got knowledge. <laughs> I've got the knowledge. of the, You may have an argument, but I've got the knowing what's going on. And so we, we have that. And so here, there's some false teachers that have stepped in. And they're, they're trying to take away the authority by tearing Paul down. And they're boasting about their ability, and they are expending Paul. They start tearing Paul down. Look at him. He's not anything. He can't do anything. He's a, he, he doesn't know anything. Just starts ripping him down. And we see here, again, that how Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he said, And by my speech and my preaching were not, were, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul also tells Timothy, his son in the faith, he said, Again, I say to you, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. But see, what we have here is a, a situation where Paul is refuting those things that have come against him. Now, another translation of this passage, because we see here, what does it say? And at least I shall be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. The messenger of Satan, notice the source, the messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, least I be exalted above measure. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, many will look at that, and maybe our historical classic interpretation of that is the source of that thorn is God. The source of that thorn is God. But we look at this as Paul's trying to bring forth an understanding. He's refuting the culture. He's coming against the false leaders. He's coming against those that, as he uses this phrase a couple of times in Corinthians 2 and 11, or, or 2 Corinthians 11, he, he talks about super apostles that come in and they're just trying to, to, to derail the church and the message. Now, as I said, there's a lot of ambiguity centered around this thorn in the flesh. But if we just let Scripture interpret Scripture, because how many have been taught that that thorn in the flesh might be a physical infirmity? A physical infirmity that's, that's attacked him. And then we're taught that maybe God gave him that, that thorn to keep him humble. Hmm? Hmm, yeah. But so we look at this, I want you to, we, we look at this thorn and if we, just, if we just let Scripture interpret Scripture, there's three passages. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to give them to you. Numbers 33 and 55, Joshua 23 and 13, and Judges 2 and 3. Numbers 33 and 55, Joshua 23 and 13, Judges 2 and 3. Now, in Numbers 33, 33, 55, it says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side. 
Now, what, who are the thorns in his side? It's the enemies that are in the land. Again, Joshua 23 and 13, but they shall be snares, and another driving out the inhabitants of the land, but they shall be snares and traps to you, scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes. Again, not talking about physical infirmity, it's talking about enemies to the covenant people. So, Judges 2 and 3, therefore I also said to you, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. So, letting Scripture interpret Scripture, that thorn there, according to Scripture, is enemies to the covenant people. And what are they doing? They're coming along, and the Bible says, Paul says there, that they are buffeting. Now, it's, that word buffeting means bringing wave after wave after wave. It's like it hits the shore. That buffeting means harassing. There is a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, sent to harass me. That thorn in the flesh, according to Scripture, is the enemy to the covenant people. And what is the purpose? Because that thorn is a voice, it's a message. It is there to harass Paul. Harass him. Now, how is Paul being harassed? You can read down in chapter 12 uh, there of 2 Corinthians, you discover every time Paul shows up to a city, there is some harassment that's going on. It's a little bit of persecution. It's every time he shows up to express the revelation of God, there is harassment that meets him there. There's some agitators that are there that are invoked by hell and by a demonic spirit, and they go in ahead of him, and they begin to stir up the crowds. I used to say, I'm going to have right or revival, every, and that's because that's what Paul either had right or revival, but the truth is he had both. <laughs> He would go into a place, and there would be great revival begin to break out. And then on the heels of that, there would be a great uh, uh, riot that, is, that occurred as a result uh, of him sharing the gospel. So Paul is here, and he's saying, look, look, your orators and your super apostles, they're, they're downplaying me, and they're, they're harassing, and, and they're talking about how I don't have the right stuff, and I don't have the right education and the right oration. And so they're, they're boasting. You also see in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, but you know what? When I came and preached, I, I didn't charge you anything. I came and preached for free. So in other words, those orators were drawing money. See, it doesn't say that, but that's what he said. He's, he's like, uh, you have high status because uh, people are going to pay you to hear you talk. Paul said, but I, I robbed another church to come here. I robbed another church to come here to give you the word. So I didn't take anything from you. You look at it, it's there. So see, there's a harassment that's taking place with Paul. Why is he being harassed? Because of the revelation that was given to him from God. Because of the revelation that God had bestowed upon him, there is harassment that follows. Now, I want you to, we're going to read in the, the Passion Translation. It's going to give a little bit of clarity and we're going to get a little deeper. It says, the extraordinary level 
of the revelations I have received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. Wait a minute. The passage we read before says that I may be exalted. And so we think because we think, I don't want to think for you, I'm just going to tell you what I have looked at and possibly perceived from this passage is that Paul got a thorn because it was to keep him humble so that, you know, he would not be exalted. Then I got to looking at that a little closer, and I thought, wait a minute. That means the devil's working for God. And if the devil's working for God, he's wanting Paul not to be prideful? Think about it. The man who gave us the doctrine of grace and taught us in 102 times, Paul mentions in his letters, grace. How that, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, least any man should boast. Now, I know it was Peter that said, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So is God using the devil to humble Paul so that Paul will be exalted through grace? Starts getting a little murky there, doesn't it? But see, we, we took a step back. We kind of backed the lens up a little bit. We, took, we, we focused out a little bit and say, wait a minute, we're looking at this thing. Maybe, a, maybe we need to look at a little broader perspective of what we're looking at when we look at this passage of Scripture. Could it be that Paul, and I'm asking the question, I'm working through it just like you, could it be that Paul is asking the question and he is proposing this, 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 this understanding that, look, it's, it's the revelation I received yes, but I don't want you to exalt me. See, because if you go to the city of Corinth right now today, what you're going to discover is those dudes were very in love with their statues. <laughs> they had statues of rulers, people of prominence, uh, their philosophers, their teachers, uh, and if you were a really good orator, man, they're going to get out the hammer and the chisel, and they're going to start chiseling your face on, or they're going to chisel you out of a rock. <laughs> the funny thing is, is most of the heads have been taken off of those statues, <laughs> have been falling over through earthquakes or erosion or knocked over. So those, those statues that they built, the heads are decapitated. <laughs> See, what Paul is, could it be a perspective or perception or, or um, I'm not sure if I'm the right word I'm looking for, but Paul is here. He's saying, look, don't. Because of the revelation I have and what God is doing in me and through me, don't go exalting me above another person. Don't go elevating me above another person. Don't go getting your hammer and your chisel out and making me into something other than what I am. I'm just a man. You know, because some commentaries you'll read, they'll say, well, Paul is, you know, that, 
that may be true for most people, but not for Paul because he was superhuman. No, then that would not let Scripture interpret Scripture because, or would not let the Scripture be the final say because God says, I am no respect a person. I see everybody the same. So Paul, we, we can't write off the, and say, well, because of some supernatural ability that Paul had, he's on this elitism, he's on another realm, uh, rung of the ladder than we are. No, the Bible says God is no respect person. And so if this thorn is, is something other than the adversaries coming against him, then this thorn in this is given to us by God because or the devil's the Lord is using the devil to keep Paul humble. He's just messing his own kingdom up. Because Paul, because of that pressure, what does he do? He comes to his knees, and in his knees, uh, he gets a revelation. Uh, and that revelation is the voice of God telling him uh, even a greater revelation uh, is that uh, my grace is sufficient for you. That was not a statement to say, Paul, suck it up and take it. It was a statement to say, Paul, you have everything you need right now. My grace is already here to take care of you. <laughs> At least I be exalted above measure. Here he says, so anyone I have received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. This is why the thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger sent to harass me keeping me from becoming arrogant or above measure. He's, he's refuting the statements. This is my estimation. He's refuting the false leaders in the cultural standing and the statue-building people that are elevating other people. But what I want to see here is the fact that there is a lot of harassment that's taking place in Paul's life. Why? Because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a revelation that has come to him, and as a result of that, there's an assignment on his life. And if you have an assignment of heaven, then there's going to be an assignment from hell against you. I do believe God is going to have an uprising in the United States. God always has a remnant. I got a message brewing on the back burner about a remnant. You know, God just, he, he's always got a remnant on the earth. He don't need the multitude. He's just got a remnant. He, he just, uh, you know, there's the, the entire population was wiped out except for eight people on earth. And God repopulated the earth with those eight persons with that remnant. I'm going to get into the remnant because it's going to get better and gooder than that. So what we look at here is God is going to have an uprising. But it's going to be from people that understand that, look, even when they went to cast the devil, they, they thought they saw Paul and doing something. They thought, man, we can do this. Let's go cast the devil out of that guy. And they showed up, and the devil responded to them and said, look, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but we don't know who you are. <laughs> if you're going to be known in heaven, you will be known in hell. <laughs> 
And if you understand this, then you start to realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not God harassing me. This is not the Lord telling me that I can't, that I won't, that I will never. It's not God that's coming to me refuting his own word or using the devil to humble me. It's just the result of the revelation of God to a lost and dying world. Because <laughs> why would the devil want you humble? So that you can have so much more grace? So that you can be, so that God would elevate you? <laughs> that just doesn't make good sense. So, but if we understand the purpose of revelation, so this thorn, a lot of ambiguity around this thorn where it came from and why it was given. But if we look at Scripture, that thorn is the adversary, the enemies to the covenant people of God. Coming against, bringing allegations, stirring up the crowds. I mean, I'd get tired of it too, wouldn't you? Jesus loves you. <laughs> Thousand stones hit you in the head. Some demon-oppressed, possessed girl keeps coming up. Oh, servants in the most high God. Just day after day after day, Paul got a little annoyed. Get out of her, devil. <laughs> Get out of her, devil. And she was set free, and now the, the money changers, because she was a slave girl, they had no more profit because her ability to tell the future was gone. Oh, Paul, that annoyance you had wasn't going to be near as annoying as the stripes that are about to hit your back and throw him in the inmost prison. That might get a little old after time, don't you think? So what we have here is Paul. See, God's going to have a church in America. But that church has got to be able to understand who Christ is and who they are in Christ and they got to be willing to build with one hand while they're battling with the other. They've got to understand that, look, Paul goes to, you can get distracted with harassment, don't you think? Don't you know that Paul went to the Lord three times? And he's looking at that and he's saying, Lord, can I just have a little bit of peace when I go into a city? Do they have to kick the snot out of my little four-foot-nine rear every time I walk into the city? You told me if they hit me on one side, then i got to turn the other cheek to them. What if they hit me on that cheek too? Can I go ahead and just drop kick them? Come on, don't tell me you don't get tired of harassment. Don't, get, don't tell me you're going to get tired of persecution. We're redeemed from sickness. We're not redeemed from persecution. <laughs> but the Bible shows us there that the more they, they, they afflicted the children of God in Egypt, the more the covenant people grew. And now we parallel that to Acts. And the more that the church was persecuted, the more the church began to grow. We're praying for church growth. And I've been to a lot of church growth meetings, but I've never had anybody stand up and say, if you want your church to grow, then what you're asking for is persecution. That will not sell the tickets in America. But that may be what it takes to get the church where the church needs to be. 
But if we have the understanding that, look, God is not working against us. Uh, if God be for us, then who can be against us? In some translations you read that the messenger of Satan was sent to buffet or to torment Paul. So you're telling me that God sent a tormentor to Paul because God's not able to humble Paul as God wants to humble Paul? When the scriptures would be contradictory to that, where it says that fear brings torment, but the perfect love casts out fear? That thorn and that persecution, that harassment you're under right now, that buffeting of Satan against you, it's not because you're a bad, wicked, evil person. It is because he is scared of you because of the revelation that God has given you. So if we understand the purpose of revelation, this helps me. Revelation is the unveiling, uncovering, revealing of what is unknown. That's what revelation is. You may have it there. It's like the Ark of the Covenant was covered with the veil. That Ark of the Covenant representing Christ. We come to the New Testament. The veil of the temple is torn in two. That veil is removed. We begin to see now, not just the high priest that goes in once a year, but we can all see Christ for who he is and who he should be. But their revelation comes via the Holy Spirit. He shows us who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. He unveils to us the mysteries that were so cloaked in the Old Covenant how that Christ was concealed, but in the New Testament he is revealed, and there's an uncovering of God. And so the revelation that Paul received was the completed work of Christ, and then he's going and he's writing letters that are, we're still reading today. <laughs> how many generations from Paul's day to today, how many nations have taken the word of God to heart? How many individuals have, have, have picked up the book and read Paul's writings and were made entirely free by the revelation because he was showing us who Christ is? See, that's what revelation is, is revealing who God is. Paul said, I'd count it all loss. It's like dung to me. Nothing compares to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing liberates like the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing causes me to get more excited. Paul speaking, nothing but the knowledge. I count it all loss and ruin for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I just church want to know him once you know him what's the next step to make him known see Paul was being harassed so he's telling the philosophers and the false teachers look look if I boast it's going to be in my infirmities it's going to be in my weakness it's going to be in the harassment. <laughs> Not too many people boasting about those things, are they? Not too many people are boasting about those things because when Paul went to the Lord, he went three times. 
I think the harassment started distracting him a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to ask him when I get there. But just looking at the scripture, when you go to the Lord once, twice, you go three times, you keep pursuing God for answers to questions. You're, you're looking, you're trying to figure out the mystery of why God won't answer this question that I have for him. You're wondering why God didn't answer this prayer. And you just keep going to God, going to God, going to God. And in all the time, you've got this, you've got this harassment that's coming back at you. And so you can get distracted. Anybody been distracted of late of all the mental warfare that's going on in your mind? And how many of you have had the voices come to you and say, well, if God really loved you, that wouldn't happen to you. Oh, you must be doing something wrong. Something just ain't right. You feel that? There's, there's something just not right about you. There's, there's, there's something God's holding from you, and he's, just, he's not telling you this deep, dark secret that, that, that you have, but he knows, but he's not telling you about it. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? Can you feel the fact that you're failing? It's a constant failure. And everything you put your hand to just kind of crumbles. Anybody hear those kind of voices of late? And the whole time we're writing out testimonies, telling people what God has done. <laughs> the whole time we're inviting people to church and we're praying for revival and we're asking God to move because God is moving. And when God begins to move, hell starts moving because they think, wait a minute, they're not sitting around anymore. They're up doing something. Let's get high alert. They're about their assignment. They're going telling people about Jesus. They're going to make him known. And if they make him known, our kingdom is threatened. And now it starts coming back. And all of those voices start hitting you, those thorns in the flesh. And it's not that we are standing back and saying, oh, this is from God. That's what the enemy would love you to believe. This messenger of Satan was sent to torment. That's not of God. It is there trying to refute, trying to stop, trying to prevent the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth. See, the true character of spiritual revelation is to exalt Christ, not people. So here's Paul. He's got the revelation, and that revelation is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, to exalt the Lord, not people, not himself. And so the enemy has come. See, people love the limelight. I'm not talking about you, just talking about people in general. They look at it and they say, man, I want to do what they do. But see, are they willing to walk it out? Man, when people come to you and you think, man, you hung the moon. You're thinking, hung the moon? I can't even hang a picture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you, you get to the places and it's like they don't understand the warfare that goes along to get where you're at. There's no glory in that warfare. It's just, a, it's just an automatic, God, I've got to have you. I've got to have you. And see, the harassment, the harassment comes. And it's not because God is angry with you. It's a lie of the devil. 
If you're a child of God and you're pursuing Him and you're wanting your family to get saved and you're, just, you're, you're giving more and you're stretching yourself and you're reaching out and all of a sudden all of hell starts rising up or you step into your area of ministry, your calling, your purpose, and all of a sudden hell starts rising up and all these things start surfacing like something's wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with you. It is the devil trying to stop the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you truly get to the place where you want to elevate Him, you don't have to worry about being humbled. It Paul saying, look, you, you don't build a statue to me because it's not worth it. I'm just a man who's living by grace. Now, Paul petitioned the Lord three times. God said, you got all you need. You got all you need. You don't need anything else. I've already given it to you. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to build it up. It's already paid for. Everything that you need, you can draw from right now. It's already yours. It's given to you. Now, I got this question for you. Did that thorn, that harassment, <clears throat> did it go away? I'm looking, looking for a response. Did that harassment go away? Somebody say this, it ebb and flow. <laughs> Ebb and flow. It's here and it's gone. Here and it's gone. That's, that's the scripture. It said buffet. It's like waves coming in and waves going out. But do you think that Paul from that moment forward never had another thorn or another harassment that came against him? No. But the power of that harassment was now altered. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, now I know. I know that when the enemy brings those thorns and that messenger is there attached to those thorns and there's riots coming and he's already going ahead and devising his schemes and his plans and he's looking ahead down the road where I might be walking. Let me tell you, when you start walking that way, he, he starts putting his agents into place and they're wanting, to, they're wanting to tear things up. But what he doesn't know is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I mean, he's a, the enemy is a lot of things, but I think that he is blinded to the fact that we are stronger in Christ Jesus. Or, or why would you want to get kicked in the head every time you turn around? Amen? In fact, I'm just using a little bit of sarcasm because he does know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you show up and you understand that you have everything you need in Christ and his grace is sufficient and that now that harassment becomes the fodder so that you can now begin to feed and praise. You begin to worship God because, oh man, thank you for that harassment. I'm going to joy in my weakness because when I'm weak, guess what? Then God is really strong. When I don't have it figured out, God's got it all under control. When I don't know where to go, he's already got a plan in place. He can tell me when he's ready, he can do what he wants because he's God Almighty. And I refuse to let the enemy have another generation because I'm unwilling to walk in the revelation of God. See, Paul got to the place, he's like, look, revelation or harassment? Oh, revelation is far more valuable than any tactic of the enemy that he may bring toward me. Does this help anybody? Does this help anybody? I'm praying that it encourages you. 
that God sees where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He wants to change your perspective about the buffeting and the torment and the harassment of the enemy and the messenger of Satan that's there trying to bring to you accusations and defamation about the God in whom you serve. Amen. Paul received a great revelation that day. He knew God a little deeper, a little more intimate than he did before. There was a man who showed up to a, a reading where this man would stand and he had great oration. He was a wonderful orator, great expression, inflection. People would come from far and wide to sit down to listen to him. So he finishes his program. People bought their ticket. They're sitting there, and he finishes his program. He said, I'm going to take some requests from the floor. There was a preacher that stood in the back, and he said, could you read Psalms 23? He said, I will, but on one condition. He said that you will also stand and quote Psalms 23. So the orator gets up, and he, he does his oration, inflection, begins to read Psalms 23. He said, all right, sir, I've done my part. Now you do yours. This preacher in the crowded room got a little, a little bit intimidated, but he stands up and he begins to read. There's little cracks in his voice and gives the expression. He speaks the psalm. When the orator had finished, the whole crowd, the whole crowd cheered. Man, that was great. When the preacher finished, the whole crowd was crying. He said, the reason I had you do that, he said, I know the psalm. He said, but you know the one who wrote the psalm. He said, I know the psalm. You know the shepherd. It makes all the difference. See, when you know the shepherd... When you know him, you know you can begin to discern what's of him and what's not of him. You can measure things according to his word and his character because you know him. And when you know him, it makes all the difference in the world. Worship team, if you guys will make your way back up tonight. I want you to stand, if you will. Let me encourage you, if this, if you're looking at that, like, Rachel, I don't know, I've got my own ideas of what that means. That's fine. <laughs> I would just encourage you to do this. Study the Word. Look at some different perspectives. Look at, look at those who look at articles, look at sermons, look at the, look at the, the groundwork, the original language. Just, just look at the Word of God. Begin to feed upon it. See if it says what you think it says. Or just open your heart up to say, Lord, show me what you're trying to show me in this passage. 
And I would pray that the church would stop reading the Word of God and start allowing the Word of God to read them. Start allowing the Word of God to open up your heart in that area and truly understand and know the one who wrote the book. And when you start understanding the one who wrote the book, it changes your perspective of everything. You take the book and you put it down before an unbeliever, it's going to bring conviction upon their life, but it's going to bring an assurance and peace in the heart of a child of God because they're going to hold it near and dear to themselves. But this is what I want to offer to you tonight. Those that are out there, I know this to be true. We're pushing in a little deeper. Pushing in a little deeper. Let's say, Lord, we're, we're more than just spectators. We are participants in the kingdom of God. Lord, we don't want to just occupy a pew. We want to occupy on this earth with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to know you and we want to make you known. That's the heart of this church. We want to know you and we want to make you known. Now, some of you, myself included, you can get distracted by an overabundance of harassment. You, it, it's, we're all subject to the same, same warfare. But if that's you tonight and you're saying, God, your grace is sufficient, I'm going to come and receive that revelation tonight that, Lord, I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to pick up grace and I'm going to see this harassment in a whole new light. Lord, let the scales fall from my eyes. If that's you tonight, come on, come on. The enemy's been harassing you. Come on, it's time to go free. It's time to go free tonight. They say, look, I'm, I'm changing. I'm changing, Lord God. You're changing me right now. You're changing me right now, Lord God. Lord, that harassment may be there, but my God, I'm going to embrace the weakness, Lord God, because when I am weak, that I am strong in you. And your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so right now, we're just going to surrender in this house. We're going to surrender right now and say, oh, my God, we just lay it down. We lay it down. Oh, my God, the thorns of the flesh that are in our sides, that are in our eyes, oh, Lord God. Lord, you have freed us from. We have the power through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord God, we have a new perspective because you have unveiled to us the truth of your word. That this source, Lord God, of this lying spirit, Lord God, is not an instrument, Lord God, you're using against us. It is hell trying to stop the work of the kingdom of God. Oh, merciful God, we love you. Merciful God, we magnify your name. Holy is the Lamb of God. Holy is the Lamb of God. Lord, in our weakness, we're made strong. In our weakness, Almighty God, we're made strong. Oh, Father God, we love you and we praise you. We love you and we praise you, Lord God, tonight. Lord, I pray for strength and courage. I pray, Lord God, for revelation and understanding. Lord, let us know you, Lord God, that we may make you known. Lord God, we count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God. And Lord, you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. Worship team right now, Sandra, whatever you guys have on your heart, just begin to sing and play. Oh, Father, we love you. Prayer team, come help me tonight. As you begin to lay hands and encourage people right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.